Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. Well, here in the encounter service, as well as our resonate service across the campus in the venue, and those who are following along this series on podcast, we have been involved in uh, a series entitled Red Letter Lessons. We're looking at the words of Jesus. There could be no greater authority than the words of the Son of God. And so it's been a, a delight for me to look at these different passages in which Jesus spoke both to his disciples and those who would gather there in the time that he walked upon the earth and to us these powerful eternal Lessons And last week, we looked at something that I said just seems backward. I, I likened it into trying to back up a trailer in that it's just the opposite of what your intuition or your natural human inclinations would uh, seem to guide you to do. And, and it's, it's so unusual in the mind of people today, they just can't grasp that the path to greatness is servanthood. It's servanthood. Our big idea last week was the way to greatness is a willingness to serve. It's not fame, it's not wealth, it's not power or achievement, but it's servanthood. And we looked at the story from John chapter 13 where Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. He took on the role of a servant. He wrapped the towel around his waist, which was the unmistakable mark of a servant, and he washed the the dirty feet of his own disciples. And he did so to teach them and to teach us that greatness was to be found in humble servanthood. Uh, and as we've said, there, there were some through the centuries that have kind of taken the washing of feet uh, to the degree of being a ritual or a religious act of some kind uh, as if that's what Jesus was telling us to do. And, and really, it's not the act of washing feet that's the issue. I said it this way last week. Clean feet are not the issue. A clean heart is the issue. And so I hope that if you missed last week's lesson that you'll go back and listen to the podcast and catch up with us in the series. Well, today we're going to look at something that is so foundational in every one of our lives if we are a Christ follower. And if you're here today or you're in Resonate Service or listening to this podcast and you would honestly say, well, I don't know that I'm really a, a Christ follower. I, I'm interested, I'm willing to listen, I'm curious, but I wouldn't say that I'm a Christian or a Bible person or a Christ follower. Then I want to say to you, this message has something for you because it, it shows you where to find stability in life. Every one of us have things that kind of rock our world from time to time. Uh, we're going to talk of them in the terms today of being storms uh, in life. And there is really only one sure and safe foundation for a life today in the, the day that we live in. And we're going to see that from the words of Jesus. Hurricane Michael struck Florida's panhandle as a upper level category four hurricane with winds of 155 miles per hour and it made landfall on October the 10th, 2018. 
And the beach town of Mexico Beach, Florida was absolutely devastated. After the storm came through, that town looked pretty much like this. It just took homes all the way down to the ground. They were completely destroyed. They were devastated. But in the midst of that total devastation, there was one house that stood firm against the storm. It was nicknamed the Sandcastle. And though it sustained minor damage that took only a month to repair back to, to full completeness, it basically was impregnable even through the, the fury of that hurricane. Now, why would this one home stand when all the others were destroyed? Well, in part, it was because it was built on 40-foot concrete pilings. They didn't just go a little ways down into the sand of the beachfront that the other homes were built on, but it went all the way down through the sand to the bedrock. And this is a, a, an illustration for us about how our lives need to be built not on shifting sand, but upon solid bedrock. And so Luke chapter 6 will give us the words of Jesus and the image that he has for us to see. It has everything to do with obeying the word of God under the lordship of Jesus. But if we don't follow what we hear, if we don't obey what we're taught, then we will not be able to withstand the storms of life. And so here's the one little phrase, big idea for today. Knowing without doing will lead to disaster, to disaster. So let's see our passage today. We're in Luke chapter 6. We'll look at uh, a few other passages as we go along, but this is our main text today. Follow along in whatever Bible you may have. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Hear are the words of Jesus. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say. Now, if you read the, the time that Jesus spent with his disciples, there were several times in which he got pretty frustrated with them. It's like he would say, okay, you have heard me teaching all of these months. You have walked with me. You have watched me. And yet you are still not doing what I'm teaching you to do. And you know what? I have a feeling that that emotion that Jesus had for the disciples wasn't just for them. I think he gets pretty frustrated with us sometimes too. I think that, that he says, okay, you have been listening to the Bible being taught for most of your life and you're still not doing it. I would put it this way. Our Lord is not pleased with us when we only talk the talk and don't walk the walk. Jesus is saying to them, the very definition of hypocrisy is a life where a person's words and their behavior don't match up. Now, we all understand none of us as Christ followers will follow perfectly. None of us will obey without, without any kind of, of fault or failure. We're, 
we're failed and, and weak human beings, even though we've been saved by the grace of God. So it's not perfection that Jesus is talking about, but consistency. That though there will never be perfection in our lives, there ought to be a pattern in our life that conforms to the word of God. And he gives an illustration about the difference, an image about the difference between one who hears and obeys and one who hears but doesn't. Verse 47. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. That home that was nicknamed the Sandcastle not only had the 40-foot concrete pilings that went deep down into the earth, but it was also built throughout the structure with concrete reinforced by rebar and steel cables throughout the, the house. Uh, they decided not to put in a balcony. Some of the windows were reduced in size and reinforced, and the roof did not have an overhang because that would enable strong winds to pull that roof off the, the base of the house. All of these things were to the details of an architect's plan that would cause that house to be able to withstand winds of 240 miles an hour. It was a plan, and that house was built precisely according to that plan. Did it cost more to do that? Absolutely. It cost about twice as much to build it that way. But when the storm and the floods came, it stood strong. And Jesus is trying to tell us that's the way it is in our lives. If we will build our lives according to the plan of the architect, the master designer, then our lives, though they will in, uh, experience storms and though the storms may damage us to a degree, it cannot destroy us if we're built on the solid rock. A life built on love for and obedience to Christ is a life that can withstand the storms that come our way. Is there a cost for us to do that? Of course. It costs us to surrender our selfish will and desires to the will and way of God. It costs us to give up our own personal agendas and plans and trust in the one who knows all things and wants what is best for us. And a life that is not built on the solid rock, that's not built according to the plan of the master architect that ignores the truth of the word of God, is there a cost to that? Yes. Because when the storm comes, oh, it may be, it may be fine in that kind of life when the sun is shining and there's no rain. But when the storm comes, and by the way, all of our lives have storms, do they not? Every one of us have storms. And when, though, not if, but when those storms come, there will be a cost because we can be just as devastated as those other homes on that hurricane-devastated uh, beach that day. Here's what Jesus said, verse 49. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey 
is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Now, Jesus' listeners in that day knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. In Palestine in the summer, there were riverbeds that would dry up and and leave just a, a level, sandy soil. And there were actually people in Jesus' day who would come and build dwellings there on that sandy uh, foundation. It, it looked nice and smooth, and they would build their homes right there. The problem was when the September rains came and the water began to flow off of the mountains into those dry riverbeds. They were no longer nice and smooth and calm, but they became a torrent of raging water. And all of those people who had foolishly built their their homes on that foundation were swept away in the raging waters. And so that image was very clear in their mind as Jesus compared it to those who would hear his words and yet not build their life upon it. And it's still true today. Lives that are built upon the the opinions and the trends of the culture or on somebody's own ideas are just as unstable. One who would even hear the teaching of Scripture and choose to ignore it or disobey it. The storms will sweep away their life. The shallow facade of lip service faith will crumble and fail when those real troubles flood into our lives. As a pastor, and every one of our pastors would tell you this, as a pastor, every week we hear a litany of troubles that our people are going through. And having been here for a long time now, I have walked with scores of our families through losses and crises and troubles and and difficulties. Uh, This week alone, two of our church members uh, who have passed away will have their funeral services. I mean, this happens every week. Why? Because troubles come into our lives. That's just how it is in a fallen world. And so the problem is when the foundation is not secure, the life is devastated. So what is it God is asking us to do? What what does it mean to begin to build on the solid rock of faith in Jesus and trust in God's word? Well, I want to take you to the book of James. If you have your own Bibles, open it please to James chapter 1. And don't worry if you don't have uh, your Bible with you. Uh, All of the verses will be on the screen or there are some Bibles underneath the chairs here in Encounter. And I think some in Resonate Service, we'd be glad to give you one as a gift. James chapter 1, verse 21. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, who became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem in the first century, who was eventually martyred for his faith. Here's what he said we are to do. Verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. Now, the the issue is that there are some, especially today, 
which, by the way, are you aware that our culture is becoming more and more secularized and unfriendly to biblical truth at warp speed? Are you aware how quickly we are moving away from a country who once had at least a lip service respect for the scripture as being, you know, remember when it was called the good book? I never liked that term, but at least it was a term of, of some respect, even by people who didn't understand it. That, my friends, has disappeared from our culture. And we are beginning to live in a culture that is more and more not just unfriendly, but hostile to the truth of the Word of God. And the problem is even some who have grown up in the church who are professing Christians... Today we'll hear a part of Scripture and say, I don't know if I like that or not. I don't know if I agree with that or not, as if our agreement is needed by God. I don't know if I agree with that or not, and they'll begin to either explain it away or just ignore it or blatantly disobey it. And the problem with that kind of perspective is it puts a person in authority over Scripture. Let's just keep our finger in the book of James. Let me take you quickly to a couple of verses that are very familiar. We read them often here at our church. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God. By the way, if you wonder what that means, it means it's all true. It's all right. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. He says all Scripture is inspired. Uh, I've said this before, but you know what? I like Luby's Cafeteria. I'm kind of sad that there's not as many of I like Luby's because I can go and say, I like that. I want some of that. Oh, I don't like that. Ugh, collard greens. No, I don't like that. And I like that. I'll take that. I don't want that. I don't want I mean, I, I like the choices. But some, even some professing Christians treat Scripture as if they're at Luby's that they want to pick what they like and leave what they don't. And when we do that, we're putting ourselves in authority over Scripture, and that will never lead to a stable, solid life. A solid and stable life is one that is uncompromising in its commitment to the authority of God's Word. In other words, we don't tell the Scripture how we think it ought to be or what we believe is true. The Scripture tells us. The Scripture speaks to us. We don't ask Scripture to conform to us in whatever the culture thinks is right of the day. We are to conform if we are Christ followers and we really mean it. We are to conform to Scripture. I'm trying to say this. You must not validate Scripture in light of the culture. You must validate culture in the light of the Scripture. There's a huge difference. James, who understood the power of Scripture's authority in our lives, 
knew what it meant for someone to ignore or disobey. Go back with me to James chapter 1, verse 22. He said, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Here's what I'm I'm trying to say. The goal must not be just to become scripturally smarter. Although that's a good thing, that must not be your primary goal. The primary goal for reading Scripture is for our lives to be transformed, our hearts to be changed, our attitudes to be changed, our actions to be changed, our words to be changed, where we don't just hear about things like mercy and grace and forgiveness and kindness. We actually do those things. They pour out of us from a heart that is changed. Listen, studying God's word is not just to increase your knowledge. It's to change your life. It's to change who you are. And here's something, and all of our pastors would say this to you. When I teach scripture, it's not because I want something from you. I want something for you. I want your life to be impacted. I want your life and my life to be transformed by the truth of God's word. And and I I will say this uh, to you. When I teach, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to instruct you. I I wish I were funnier, but I could care less whether you think I'm funny or not. What I really care deeply about is that your life and my life is changed because we traffic together in the living word of God. And it's sharp. It's powerful. The image of a two-edged sword is used to describe its power to cut away those things from our lives that are not godly and Christ-like. And I believe with every fiber of my being that the most happy, most fulfilled, most stable, most contented life is a life that is in love with Jesus and fully trusts the word of God. I also believe some of the most frustrated, dysfunctional people on the planet are Christians who can't make up their mind whether they're going to follow God's word or not. Here's what Here's what James said about that, verse 23. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. I've said this before. Can you imagine? That wouldn't make a lot of difference to me because I don't have much hair. But can you imagine a Sunday morning when people in, in our church would look in a mirror after they got out of bed with full bed head and the whole bed, and they looked in a mirror and they didn't change anything and they just came to church? We'd scare all the visitors away in one week. I mean, none of us would do that. It's just the normal thing to look in a mirror and make the changes that we see need to be made. And that's what scripture is to be to us. We are to look into the word of God and see the spiritual reflection of who we need to be by the grace of God and with his power. Healing without doing will never lead to spiritual maturity. It'll never get us there.
And the problem with Christians who hear the word of God over and over and over and they do not allow God to change them in those areas is they keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. They're on a spiritual treadmill and they're just going nowhere. James says there's a better way. Look at verse 25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, and for us that's the word of God, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you hear, remember, and put into practice what Scripture says, it will bring God's blessing and power into your life. That's not a prosperity gospel message. It's not about how to leverage God to make him serve you. No, it's not none, none of that. But it's simply saying this. When you are committed to love Jesus and follow his word, God will bless your life. He will bring power and strength into your life. He will bring fruit into your life. And if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, you're not sure where you are in relation, this is just to say to you, if your life is all messed up, there's a better way. There's a better life that the Lord has for you. Not a everything is roses life, but a life in which even when those storms come, your life will be solid and with able to withstand it. One last passage, and we'll begin to wrap up. 1 Timothy 6, here's what Paul said to his young friend in the faith. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Pursue righteousness. It's not a one-time event. It's a, it's a journey. It's a quest in which you pursue that. And he changes your life from chaos to stability. Verse 13, And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate. Here's the charge, that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. A stable Christian life has to have a secure foundation. So here's what I want to say to you. I don't know when your next storm is coming. I don't know what it will look like. I don't know what shape your next storm will take. I don't know what the problem or the issue will be. I don't know any of those things. But here's one thing I do know. It's coming. Because all of us have storms of one kind or another and not just one. They come on a regular basis. So the question is, will you be ready? Will you be grounded in faith and secure in the, the knowledge of God's word? So how, how do you do that? If you have any, any question about that, I want to give you three or four things real quickly. First of all, you need to do what you're doing today. 
be consistent in worship and hearing the word of God preached. Do you know people are coming to church less than they ever have before today? That people who used to come three to four times a month are now coming one to two times a month? How about we just break that trend and we are consistent in meeting together to worship and study scripture. Number two, you need to be in a Sunday school class or an M1 community group. You need to be with a group. And yes, sometimes doing life together is a struggle because we're all human beings. But I can promise you, you will study God's word and move through the spiritual journey of life better if you're in community. I encourage you to be involved in a, another Bible study group over and apart from that if you have time in your schedule, whether it's uh, ladies, a Sunday night Bible study that goes on here on campus or one of the other groups, or Joy Sisters midweek here, or any of the men's groups we have, or one of our couples groups. But if your time is available to do that, be involved in a Bible study group. And then the most important thing is study scripture on your own. Don't just wait for somebody to feed you God's truth. Feast on it at your own initiative. Find a time in your daily schedule to study God's word. So two quick next steps and we're done. Number one, do an assessment. Do a foundation inspection. Ask yourself, what am I really building my life on? What is my go-to source of truth for the questions and storms of daily life? Number two, examine yourself to see if you are grounding yourself in Scripture. I mean, are you really doing it, or is this all you get? Because if you're, if you're not grounding yourself intentionally in Scripture, you could just become a hearer but non-doer. And that will never suffice because knowing without doing will lead to disaster. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would ground ourselves in Scripture, that we would actually know what the Word of God says and we would do it. That when the questions come and the the things that the culture decides are okay and right and good. Lord, instead of just accepting that, help us to compare it to what God's word says and believe the scripture more than we believe the ever-changing trends and ideas and opinions of our culture. Father, ground each one of us in the solid rock of faith in Christ and the truth of God's word. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody.